Exploring the Prophetic is a conversation-based podcast that we want to invite you on this journey into people's lives in every sphere of society where they're sharing how they've heard God and what's happened as a result. I want to encourage you to come join the conversation. And this season, season three, we're specifically focusing on how when God speaks, there's breakthrough actions that happen that would have never happened if it wasn't for hearing from God in the first place. Before and after moments, what would take 20 years is happening in a second because beautiful believers are obeying the voice of God. Come join the conversation. Come join the narrative. God is speaking to you today. This is season three, and we're talking about breakthrough stories, and you have to hear Michael's story today. Michael Maiden is the senior pastor of Church of the Nations in Phoenix, Arizona. You guys, the story of breakdown that happened in their church, where their church was grew from into 4,000 plus people and then shrunk all the way down to less than 150 people because of a terrible scandal that hit. This is the church that Israel Houghton came from, several other well-known leaders came from. They went through so much hell for a few years there. And then God showed up and God showed up in a big way because Michael opened his heart in a very beautiful way that we all have the opportunity to do. And I love the story of what happened in the comeback and what happened for the whole church community and what's happening now in Phoenix because of this group of people who said yes to God. Please listen to the show. You're going to so enjoy it. But I would just want to tell you about Michael, who has earned his master's and doctorate degrees in Christian psychology, has authored seven books, including The Joshua Generation, which is God's manifesto for the end time church. And his most recent book uh, is Turn the World Upside Down, which speaks to this generation about the next step to be taken, because we need to know those steps, which is good. In addition to his local church, he has a strong prophetic voice. This generation has been ministering to uh, public officers and also pastors, ministers, entertainers. I'm going to try and get him to tell one of the stories today about Brian Head Welch. Uh, But he's the president and CEO of Church on the Rock International, which oversees 6,000 churches worldwide. And he also is on the board of Fishers of Men International, the Jewish Voice International, and several local churches. So he is a very busy man. I'm glad to have him on today. He's so love-based. He's the right person for you to hear these stories from. And we're going to get to it just right after these brief messages. Hey, this is Sean Bowles, and I'm excited to offer you, our audience of Exploring the Prophetic, a basic Prophetic 101 e-course that's going to help on-ramp you into great theology, great tools, and great practice to develop your own prophetic gift. I think every single one of us needs either a refresher course, if you've already been through one, or we need an initiation course that gives us the faith to take on these incredible gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discernment, with wisdom to be able to articulate what God wants to say to the world around you. There is a growth curve in the prophetic that you could actually be in an intentional journey to not have the pain that comes along with growing on your own or growing without the tools. So grab hold of tools like this e-course. It's an eight-week e-course. It's going to give you, like I said, theology and practical steps over eight weeks. There's over five hours of videos, but they're broken up into two or three videos a week. So there's bite-sized pieces or you can binge watch them. There's a lot of assignments. There's a lot of activations. There's prayers of impartation. Come with me on the journey. I'm going to personally mentor you through this e-course. You're going to love it. Prophetic 101. Go to bullsministries.com. Here we are. Welcome to the show, Michael Maiden. Michael, thanks so much for being on. Oh, it's my honor to be with you, Sean. Well, I was just at your church not too long ago, and we hosted one of our Prophetic Nights uh, seminars there. And I just got to know you through that. And I was like, please come be on the podcast because your stories are so outrageously God. 
Well, thank you. It's, it's, yeah, we're, we're, we're humbled and grateful for all God's doing. <laughs> well, you just got back from Singapore and Malaysia as of uh, today's conversation. So I hope you're not jet lagging. <laughs> no, doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Well, let's kind of get into it because you are a pastor and you pastored the church I already shared out there, which is Na- uh, Church of, for the Nations in Arizona, Phoenix. And you have uh, such a gift of the prophetic alongside of your pastoring gift. And we were both laughing because we both, you pastor a lot longer than I have, but we've both been pastors as well as, you know, in the prophetic. And I think that's fascinating because there's a lot of people who are pastoring these days who actually do have a prophetic gifting and they, they, they feel sometimes there's a tension between those two things, which we don't need to talk about that, but it's so, it was so neat to meet you and just see your history, your legacy, hear some of your story and just get a feel for who God is in you. It's been, it's just a powerful, powerful thing. But tell us about just what you're doing right now in life. Well, I'm at a great place in life. You know, God's given me a, a, a miraculous comeback. I have a comeback story as far as the church and ministry and life. And uh, about one third of my time I travel and minister prophetically. And, and the other times I met my churches here in uh, the Phoenix, the, the Arizona area. That's awesome. And okay, so you say the word comeback and you wrote a book called God of the Comeback and you and I shared some time and you shared some of the story that is detailed in this book. And you guys have lived out some pretty intense trauma in Arizona that you actually had to come back from. And this season on Exploring the Prophetic, we're talking a lot about breakthrough and not just as a concept or a buzzword, but actually like how do you how does God bring breakthrough in real ways in our lives? And you guys literally had God who breaks through come come through for you. But let's go on that journey a little bit. Whatever you feel comfortable sharing, what happened? Sure. Like, talk about the comeback. Yeah, you, you know, we had a, I started a church when I was 27 here in Scottsdale. Which is God amazing. blessed it. Yeah. And, you know, our, our worship leader was Israel Houghton. Our, our youth guy was Ricardo Sanchez. We just wow. had a great move of God. And, uh, Within 10 years, by the time I was 37, in 1995, we were building a building, a 4,800-seat auditorium. In, Which um, is spectacular in Arizona. I mean, that's, that's humongous. Yeah, that was, that was, it was big. And I, 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 I thought it was God's will. But what happened, in, uh, we had that building about halfway done. And our treasurer, who was a, who was a lay business person, but I really leaned upon and really entrusted to run the finances and administration of the church. He embezzled $20 million from us. So we, so we took all our church accounts and a, a couple thousand of us in the church had our accounts in his, his bank. He had a, like a savings and loan investment company. So everybody lost, we lost um, $20 million oh in one gosh. weekend. And that, you know, the church collapsed. It was a public scandal, 10 front page stories, six lawsuits, 15 concurrent, concurrent attorneys, I became clinically depressed for two and a half years. I know I was depressed because I was finishing my PhD in psychology. I diagnosed oh my myself gosh. as one sick, one, one sick puppy, and it just—I was 37, uh, Sean, and I thought my life was over because everybody walked away. Our church dwindled to about 150 people. Uh, wow. From what we, we did, about four four thousand on the weekend before that. Our, our no, just because was everybody like because they actually identified you. As part of the scandal at the time, until yeah, it kind because of got pulled it, apart. Yeah, it just was. A, it, it was an unrelenting storm. So we could have handled two front page stories, but not ten. We had ten of them, and lawsuits and just one hit after another. 
and I definitely, you know, the, the PR battle was overwhelming and we just oh, yeah. lost that. Well, no one's and, ready for this. I mean, no one has a PR attorney on hand as a church leader, even no matter how <laughs> yeah. successful you are, maybe unless you're Joyce Myers or something, maybe she does. But I mean, this is like, we're talking about like, you're just a family guy who is following a vision and someone betrays yeah. you on the deepest level because they're not just betraying you, they're betraying everybody who's under the vision. And then you're the one who carries the responsibility in the sense of the public, the media's eyes. They're they're slamming you and, and destroying your guys' reputation. And so then you get like clinically depressed. What did the depression look like as far as on a, what you, at the time you had, I believe you had some older kids and then there's your wife. Yeah, we, we had four kids from like a, uh, 13 down to um, two years okay, old. Okay, so they were younger. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and it affected everybody, you know. It was just a traumatic thing. And I, I gained 100 pounds because, you know, I never I never did alcohol or drugs, but I did Twinkies and sneakers. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, yeah, it just was bad. And so our, our comeback is that Jesus gave me a second chance. Jesus gave me a, a, a miracle comeback. And he spoke to me in the middle of, of that pain. Uh, a couple of years into my depression, he said, if, "If said Michael, if you will forgive the people that hurt you, I'll make you forget the pain they've caused you." Wow! And that was a Manasseh moment, you know, to forget. So I began to pray for the people that had that had you know hurt us, and sure enough, God took away the pain and actually gave me love for the people that had been. Uh, really hurtful in my life and when I started getting better my heart started dreaming because God's made our heart to dream to be dream factories yeah, you know yeah and you know you know you're healthy when your heart dreams again and I started dreaming about the future and then um we started go ahead I was just gonna ask because uh, you know you're 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 skipping over a lot just because I know of time and also because you have a yeah. more complete version of the story in your book but back to like, okay, you said depressed a couple of years. So this wasn't like, this is a long haul thing that happened. It's like you, you were in the ministry for a long time. This happens. And there's a couple of years where did you, was the church gone at that point? Were you in another career path? What were you doing in that sense of depression? Like, how did you maintain life? And then when you actually forgave, what did that look like? What was the moment that you forgave or was it a process? Yeah, the church, I never stopped passing the church. It dwindled to about 150 people. I felt an obligation to stay with them because yeah. they stayed with me. Plus, I was paying back some construction loans that the court required us to. Uh, we okay. were in a bankruptcy uh, re refinancing uh, issue. So that took seven years. And you know, on the forgiveness part, you know, I told the Lord, I, I, you know, I will gladly forgive these people, but, but I won't mean it because... My words will say something my heart doesn't mean, and uh, so I, you know, I'll say I forgive someone, but it'll, I'll feel like a hypocrite. When as soon as I said that, God gave me a vision of this really long train, and this big engine had the word faith on it. Wow! And down a hundred cars down was the caboose that had the word feelings on it. Oh! And I knew what the Lord was telling me that if I would set my faith in motion, eventually my emotions would follow. So good that I shouldn't wait till I feel it to do it. So I just started praying four times a day for these people. Uh, about I made a list. I was very kind of uh, determined and disciplined with it. About six weeks into it, because it became like a ritual, you know, I'm praying it mostly out of my head. You know, I'm doing the best I can, quoting scriptures, praying blessings over these people. And uh, I'm in my car praying for them, and, and all of all 
all the glory of God came in that car. I began wow. to weep uncontrollably weep. I don't, I don't remember driving home. Somehow I'm at my home. And when I got home, I realized I didn't hurt anymore. And in fact, I felt love for the people that had hurt me. And that was the miracle of, of everything began to change when that event happened. Wow. It's so wild. I just think like a lot of people need to hear that, that point in it because you guys, you're about to tell us some of the epic comeback part of what God's done, but there's those moments that are like so profound where you're stuck until you're not, until you, you know, until God shows up. And I think what a beautiful way to show up. Cause I mean, you were stuck in paying back debt and it was for the long haul. Cause you're trying to be faithful to the pe- people who are faithful to you. I'm just repeating back. I mean, that's hard. That's real. That's, that's stuck unless God shows up. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of people listening in different circumstances who feel stuck unless God shows up. But I love that train imagery. That's so profound. Wow. That's beautiful. So, okay, so you get you get to the place of forgiveness. You get to the place of dreaming again. What was that like for your family and your wife? And all of a sudden they see their dad and she sees her husband where you were like kind of just down and all of a sudden you're dreaming. Did, did they go through the same kind of forgiveness process or did it help them make those same choices or had they already made those choices? What does that look like? Yeah, you, you know, as parents, our, our children – read read us they, they respond to how parents respond so when parents give them the signal that things are going to be okay no matter what things look like they know things are going to be okay and uh, i could see my kids my sickness was making my kids sad wow. and it motivated me to get better on the depression part and um you know god the one of the cool things that happened sean was i went to church when the Lord's talking to me in all this, and I came to the church, and I and I said, uh, "Church, I've been in a two and a half years serious manic and often suicidal depression." The moment I said those words, depression left me. Wow! And the Lord had given me this promise. My sermon was about the man with the withered hand. That if we reveal it, Jesus will heal it. And that the church has too many concealed, pain, you know, secrets, too many concealed wounds. And that I had not told the church I was suffering, even because, you know, the gift of God in your life will allow you to flourish in a public arena, even when you're in private pain. And uh, so people didn't really know. They knew something was wrong, but they didn't know how bad it was. But the moment I said it, I was better. So I call it honesty therapy. I've become brutally honest. You know, I, I wrote a book. It's not a great book, but it's an honest book about comeback because I really believe that that's the way that as we walk in integrity integrity is not perfection it's not sinless perfection it's just honesty with god and ourselves and people and um that that part of the journey i think was surprising to me uh because in our profession as ministers we're kind of counseled and we're kind of taught to not be overly uh personal about our stories but i felt the exact opposite to be true the more honest i am the more healthy i become the more healthy my church is now my church is a hospital where people feel free to be honest about their real pain. And uh, it's just every Sunday, it's, it's quite miraculous what happens at the altars at our church. No, I believe that. I, I could feel it when I was there, just the vulnerability factor that you guys have stewarded. And knowing that your background, you have Christian psychology, a PhD, and a master's degree uh, in, in, is it theology? And I mean, just the fact that you've gone after that, like there's something about this generation of church leaders that we're, we're starting to see some emotional intelligence, some self-awareness that didn't exist before in the 80s and the 90s very much. 
and there's some very yeah. wise people, but there wasn't a lot of very self-aware people leading the church. And so I love that you went through that period because you can't lead people into vulnerability unless you're vulnerable. It just doesn't happen. And so you guys went through like, I mean, it's, it seems like that was one of the big markers of kind of the comeback of the rebuilding is that your own vulnerability as you put it on display opened up people's hearts and their processes to where your family became a prototype because you've grown again and so much has happened since then. And uh, right. even just like some of the, the language you you give and how you teach and how you share and how you write, it's just amazing to see that as one of the major components in seeing this kind of breakthrough, this kind of comeback. But let's talk more into the, tell me about the comeback. Like, tell me what ha- has happened now. Well, you know, the Lord, we started a church 16 years ago called Church for the Nations. We had about, I don't know, 80, 85 people the first week. And the first month I preached 1010 that we'd be a church of 10,000 and that we'd influence, um, we'd have 10 campuses and we'd influence, you know, thousands of churches. And I preached that to, you know, a few dozen people, but my heart was seeing the future again. My heart was wow. dreaming with God again. And uh, now God's, now we have eight campuses. We have another eight ethnic churches. We had a miracle church given to us t- uh, 10 years ago that seats 2,400 people. You were in it, 160,000 yeah. square feet of property. Well, ta- uh, can you tell that story? Is that something you tell publicly? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wrote in a book that, that that church was called Valley Cathedral, which is a very important historic church in um uh, not just Arizona, but a lot of early TBN programs were done from there with, wow. you know, Brother ha- Brother Hagen and, and uh, you know, Benny Hinn and just everybody, Shambach. And, uh, uh, but back when I first started my church, the pastor way back then, 30-some years ago, uh, began to publicly speak. He was the biggest church in town, publicly speak against us. And... Um, uh, me personally against the church, and I didn't know about it for about six months. But people began to bleed over from his church to my church. I started in Scottsdale, about forty-five minutes away from that church. But people started showing up, and and I, they finally told me, "Hey, the pastor talks about you all the time." And I, you know, it, it shocked me, it hurt me, and I I tried to reach out to the pastor probably eight or nine, ten times. Wow! I sent letters, I called him, but he wouldn't meet with me, and uh, it just was a very awkward thing. So. What happened over time was, I think three or four pastors later, the church had dwindled down to 63 people. Mm. And 10 years ten years ago, they just turned it over to us because they couldn't afford even the, the electric bill for the summer utilities. Oh so just as a huge miracle, you know, I'm, I'm humbled and grateful and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, profoundly, uh, um, you know, walking before God and just the fear of the Lord and the, and the gratitude of heart that only a person with that kind of comeback can have. It's, you know, my, my wife calls me Lazarus. It's a true story. Oh my gosh. It's a parable in our city, what God's done. And even like with Israel, Israel's now, Holton is now coming back and is, uh, you know, once a month leading worship for us again. Just, wow. just a bunch of full, wow. full, you know, full circle stuff. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's just a, the proof of God's faithfulness that, you know, Sean, I did a hundred things wrong. I did one thing right. I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I didn't leave my place. I didn't give up on God. And, um, you know, I think that, you, you know, today we're talking to a lot of prophetically orientated people. 
And prophetic people feel life more intense. So I just didn't go through things. I felt them probably more intensely than, yeah. than another person because God has geared us toward that intensity yeah. of, you know, deeply feeling life, deeply um, moving with the, the winds of God. And that makes us sensitive to, uh, to things that happen. And, and you know, the, the, the way to be a prophetic person and not get, you know, hard-hearted and not get bitter or angry or resentful or filled with rejection is just to become a really good forgiver. It's just to walk in love. And, and the more love we have kind of, um, you know, encompassing our heart, the safer we are in the prophetic because then we, we don't, rejection doesn't influence what we say or how we feel. We forgive people. We, we keep short books. We walk clean. And, uh, you know, the, the faster we forgive, the faster we heal, the faster we worship, the faster we heal. And, uh, so I just want to encourage people that no matter what they're going through, you know, prophetic people can go through a lot of pain that, that Jesus wants to heal them and make them strong, emotionally yeah. strong. He wants them to have a restored soul so they could walk in the fullness of their prophetic gift and not have that gift be tainted um, with, with any kind of, um, you know, past history or past trauma. Which is so true, which is I think you're so qualified to speak into this because of not only your degree, but also obviously the experience you've, you've been through and it's so beautiful. Cause I know you talked, you said earlier, you call your, your sanctuaries, the dream rooms. Is that right? Dreams. Yeah. yeah the dream rooms. Yeah. And it's just the concept yeah. of like, let's get a dream with God. Let's, let's begin to dream about his, his powerful presence. And I think you don't dream if you're broken. Obviously that's what happened to you is when you were d- uh, discouraged or d- depressed, you couldn't dream anymore. And then all of a sudden, one of the first signs that I think it's true of a lot of prophetic people, when they get healed of that place of unforgiveness or betrayal, they begin to dream so much. Like some of them, it's like a bottle comes off, the cork comes off and all of a sudden they explode. (laughs) They're like, here I am, you know, and you know, you're healthier when you're dreaming. That's a sign of health and, and emotional health and spiritual health, especially if it involves community and other people. If it's not just self dreams, you know, which is so great. But, um, yeah. I, I, I love the, these kinds of things that you've learned through this and how you've been able to impart these, you know, principles and you've been able to give away, but tell me another God breakthrough story, like where God just came through huge for you. One that's more recent. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know, the sanctuary we're in now in 1986, I had a dream. I had a dream five nights in a row, the same dream. Oh, wow. And I was in a, I was in a semicircle building, playing the piano, worshiping, and it was full and but I, I just started a church. There's only a couple hundred people in church. And I said, Lord, why are you giving me the same dream? And I didn't know until 10 years ago when I walked into the auditorium of the building we have now, it was that building. I'd never oh, been in wow. it before. God had showed me five nights in a row the building he was going to give me 24 years later. <laughs> but, he, but it was so, you know, it's, you know, so cool how, how God moves and, you know, the things he does and, I just came from a trip in Malaysia where I prophesied over a couple hundred pastors um, that came to the pastors conference and saw God do so many miracles, so many breakthroughs, so many, you know, God, God loves people. He loves to talk to them. He loves to show them, you know, the things he has for the future. And he loves to, you know, just confirm the things that they're believing on doing. And it's a, just a joy and honor to move, uh, you know, uh, you know, to, to, to yeah. move. But I've, I've, I've had, I, I prophesied probably um, six or seven times in the last two years to pastors about miracle buildings that they all got those wow. miracle buildings. Wow! So I, I think both because God gave me that story, 
But secondly, I feel like God's really using resources to accelerate his purpose in yeah. cities and regions. And that, you know, prophetically, as God brings us to cities, we can we can release those things if, if the Holy Spirit leads us to. And, uh, yeah, just a, a bunch of cool stories like that have been happening, kind of building up. And, um, and I'm humbled by all God's doing for sure. Yeah, and I love the parallel of here you're, you know, playing piano in the dream five nights in a row. And then you're in that building, yeah. and then now you're prophesying because you had faith over all these years. You stayed. I think sometimes like standing firm is faith. You know, just okay, God, I'm I'm in it, even if I don't. You know, if, even if I'm discouraged, or it's kind of like David. Even no matter what's going on on my right, and my left, I'm in it. And just that stand, just that standing firm, is so much of like that's who wins the war. That's who wins the legacy. You know, and then you're you're in your building now, and I believe there's a lot of other. You probably have tons of prophecies about resources and things. That's why you can give those prophecies that are still unfulfilled, uh, and because you've seen some measure of fulfillment. That's awesome. And now these other pastors have a prototype. When you give them the word, they have a prototype of somebody who's experienced it, and they have a place of faith to stand with. That's different than when you started, where you didn't necessarily have the prototype. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. A cool story from New Zealand, uh, Sean. I was speaking for the Shout Conference for a great group called Equippers in Auckland. It was the first time they were walking to the stage. They rented a big, they have a big sports arena and, uh, and seven or 8,000 people there, whatever it was, it was full. And I walked into the stage and the Holy Spirit said, don't preach, don't introduce yourself, don't tell a joke, walk to the stage and have an altar call for suicide. Wow. And I thought, that is like the most inappropriate thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I, don't, I know you don't know me. Who wants to commit suicide? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, so I just walked up and said, "You don't know me. Someone is coming to this room. You're planning to take your life today." When I said that, a woman in the back screamed, came running forward. Her name was Jazz, and so but 33 people answered that altar call. Wow, which was shocking for the size of that room. But this woman named Jazz came forward, young woman. She had come into that room the moment I had said that. She had come, just walked into the lobby, from the lobby into the auditorium to say goodbye to her friend. She had written her suicide note. She had all the drugs in her car to kill herself. She just wanted to come and hug her friend one last time. And she heard those words that the Lord said, today someone's planning on taking their life and God's going to heal you from that pain. That's the sentence she heard. She raced down front, was radically touched by God. Her name is Jazz. And and so now I think um, it's three or four years later, she now leads the largest government anti-suicide agency oh in New Zealand. Oh my and gosh. she's raised up an army. She just produced a movie, an anti-suicide movie that's a hit in um, New Zealand, I think also in Great Britain. And so God's using her, you know, supernaturally all from that moment. Another great story, um, this guy came into my church, Sean, he, he had he had dreadlocks and tattoos. And, he, and so I'm preaching, I'm looking at him, he kind of scares me. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think this was... Uh, this has been a few years ago, but so the Lord said to me, stop preaching, go prophesy to him that he's going to touch millions of people for me, that he's going to be a vessel of honor to me and that I'm going to teach him in my ways and he's going to become a, uh, a, a you know, a, a modern day prophet, a modern day uh, uh, epistle of what I can do to a man. And so the Lord's telling me all these things. I look at him and I thought he looks like he's homeless. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I walked down there, I prophesied to him, my eyes are closed. I said, everything God said to me, you know, service is over. He ran out. I, I'm praying for people. And about four or five teenagers came up and said, pastor, pastor, 
do you know who that guy you prayed for was? And I said, no. I mean, you know, the dreadlock guy said, yeah, that's Brian Head Welsh from Corn. That's awesome. And, and so what happened was, you know, Brian and his daughter joined our church for four or five years. And they kind of, in Phoenix, had had, had a little um, safe place to grow and yeah. to be out of the uh, L.A. stuff for a while. And, and it was uh, really cool. So now, now Brian's doing that. You know, he's back with the band. Or he's, he's impacting the world. And um, yeah, that was that was a cool cool prophetic moment. I love those moments, and I love how even the first one when you prophesied about the suicide thing, and how we never know that one word might spark a movement. And I just think like her fruit, and that is also your fruit of the faithful, uh, you know, the the faithfulness of obedience that happens in the sense that like she might have literally killed herself, and that whole movement wouldn't have come from a kingdom perspective. And so I think it's so beautiful for people who are listening, even when you're practicing the prophetic, to realize that you know huge things are birthed when we are obedient to God, and take the risk, take the step of faith to love people that way. It's just so beautiful. Well, I'm loving this interview. I love everything you're doing. How do people get a hold of you? I know we have your book, The God of the or God of the Comeback, and I love the subtitle. It's never too late. You're such a great example of that that you stayed faithful and you're in a full comeback. I mean, it's so beautiful what God's doing. But how else do people get a hold of you? Um, our our website is cftn.com or uh, michaelmaiden.info. I, my books are on there. But if they, if, they, if they look us up, either Church for the Nations or Michael Maiden on the internet, they, they can find us. Um, Absolutely. And I just I would encourage you to listen to their, their um, messages and get involved with Michael Maiden because obviously you've heard the stories here. They're amazing. And... You want to read this book. He gave it to me when I went to his church, and I couldn't put it back down when I read it. And my wife's now reading it. So it's just an amazing, amazing picture of what God can do in someone's life. And I love the front cover because it has, uh, I believe it has an African-American guy in a boxing ring, which is like, right. you know, that's that's what you want right there is you want a, you want a picture of like we were in a all-out boxing match. It was such a beautiful picture. Well, thanks yeah. so much for being on. Seriously, thanks for your stories and your time and just what you're doing. Thank you, Sean. And thank you so much for all you do, you know, just kind of representing a whole bunch of us out here, both pastors, leaders, and body of Christ. We, we deeply appreciate you and the, 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 the you know, the radical commitment that you've made to uh, release the prophetic to our generation. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Well, you pioneered it yourself in a very healthy way. So it's easy when people have helped lay a foundation to just build on it. No, oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Talk to you soon. <laughs> thank you, Sean. God bless. Have you been enjoying Exploring the Prophetic? Well, you can enjoy it even more by becoming a partner with Bulls Ministries. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment, to upgrade everything we're doing, to have the time and space to do this. It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have, that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have 
partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're our team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner.